Look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. As we continue this series of messages, broken but not destroyed. In verse 15, he says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did him, did to him? So they sent a messenger to Joseph, thought that was interesting, saying, your father charged before he died, saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did, not, they did you wrong. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the Lord, of the Lord of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for, I, for am I in the Lord's place? As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. So, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and you, your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Let us pray. God, I so thank you that in the scripture you don't take, give us all the good stuff. You show us all the dysfunction that sin brought from Genesis chapter 2 all the way to Revelation. You show us brokenness. You show us people hurting, people damaged, and you show how you've worked with that. So God, we thank you, number one, for how you keep working with us, knowing that we're not going to be perfect, knowing that we're not going to do everything right, but you so believe in what you can do that you keep trusting and believing because of your love for us that you can help our hearts to be better. You can help us to think better, operate better, focus better, and be more and more productive. Almighty God, we pray in the name of Jesus, that we would surrender our hearts to your love, to your kindness, to your wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Relationships can be hard. Let's just be blunt about it. They can be hard. You know, my wife said to me something a while back, and I was hoping she wasn't saying it about us. <laughs> But she was looking at this program and she said, how happy everybody is at a wedding. How happy everybody is to be married. What happens? So I kind of look at her first like, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. I don't know if I was walking into a trap <laughs> or what. So I didn't want to even answer the question, but she kept asking, what happens? What happens? In other words, you the pastor... You married him. What happens to all this joy and excitement? What happens to it? I said relationships. The nature of relationships is that over time, because of who people are, comes out. So if a person comes to relationship broken, 
Guess what they bring to the relationship? Brokenness. If they came from a broken father and mother, if they came from a broken situation where people, every time something went wrong, they hit the door, guess what they do? Something go wrong, they hit the door. If, if people come from a situation where mom and dad divorced, then when these situations get tough and tensions get high and stress gets high and they don't see a resolution to the problem, guess what they think? Divorce. Because they made it. They went through it. They've been through the pain of it. They've already covered that. People who haven't been through that, they tend to go to a resolution because they see the pain in everybody else, but they've never been through it and they don't want it. So they tend to work towards resolutions. Why? Because they've been in relationships where there have been resolutions. They've seen arguments. They've seen people get mad. And those people work towards resolutions. They work towards resolving things. They work towards being together. And they're committed to being together. But other people haven't seen that. So that's what they do. Some people have not been with a mother and a father. All they've been with is a mother. So they don't know about the relationship other than a mother and a son or a mother and a daughter. So when they get married and they're a part of a family, they're technically building a whole new relationship with a husband or a wife. Because they didn't have that. They didn't see a father and a mother develop a relationship and nurture a relationship and work through issues in a relationship, solve problems in a family. They saw a single mother most of the time or a single father and they see this person raise them. So technically the only relationship they've been exposed to is a father and a mother. They haven't been exposed to a relationship that is a nuclear one with a father and a mother. They haven't seen it. They haven't been in it. So many times when they come to marriage, it's technically a whole new relationship. And it's so hard to talk people into that when you pass to them. It's so hard to get them to see what that you, you have to be conscious of your past. If you're not conscious of your past, then your past will make you conscious of your present. And it will dominate how that present dominates how you think and how you function. But if you recognize your past, then what you tend to do is you tend to be, recognize it and go, okay, we can't do that. We can't go there. You know, I was watching because I had to. Megan and the prince interview because I had to. <laughs> I just honestly had to because I don't know what they do for a job I mean I don't I asked my sisters in England what's their job what do they do anyway anyway that's a secondary question that my sister's yet to answer what do they do other than smile and shake hands and give money to people and make a lot of money so she says looks at me and she tells me the story and I'm going still not a job like I used to ask, what is the job of Jesse Jackson years ago? What does he do for a job? But I finally get to understand his focus and all that stuff after I studied it. But, <clears throat> but when I was listening to the interview, as long as, they get more, as long as they're married, the past is impacting their present. The past is impacting their present. I don't know how long she's going to keep him in a chicken coop. <laughs> Because he ain't never seen chickens, probably. No, I'm just kidding. From his wealth and pop, riches, her approach to life is different. She was a waiter. <laughs> He's been waited on. She worked a regular job like everybody else. Never have. He has watched a father and a mother break up. He's watched the queen 
and her husband together. She used to have a father and a mother broken. Those things collide when people don't want to address what the past means and recognize it. See, <laughs> I mean, it's, even in my own life, uh, you know, my mom, she takes and takes and takes and takes and takes. My mom does that. Eight kids, I guess, she, and she's a giver. My mom is a giver. So she takes and she takes and she takes, and she, but she's a giver. So she automatically thinks to give. But then what happens to people who give? They get abused because people tend to expect things to go wrong. So they got their guards up first. So they're ready to fight first. And they're ready to come up in. When, when you're not fighting, they, oh, they feel good. And then after a while, my, my mom would just get so upset. And you can't bring her down real fast. Because she's been taking and taking and taking and taking and taking. Now she's at the point where huh, I've analyzed all y'all doing, what you've been doing, what you've been saying. So she, when she comes at you, she is like a very skilled arrow. Because she says, boy, didn't I tell She got a list. Because she's been working with this whole thing the whole way. Because she's been just what? Taking, trying to make it work. 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 And when people have just taken advantage of it, she blows up. So every time I'm a giver, my mom was a homemaker. So not that my dad wasn't a good dad. My dad was a good provider, taught me discipline. He taught me English. He, he would not let his kids speak broken English in his house. All kinds of stuff. It just helped me in education, helped me in writing, all these different things. My dad, he came home, he did what he was supposed to do. But my mom was a homemaker and a homemaker. I mean, there, she cooked bread from scratch. Cook cakes from scratch. I mean, a homemaker. So when she was there, we come in the house. Sometimes just because I was school, my, my elementary school wasn't far, I would bolt to the house. In them days, I was fast. I could bolt to the house, get eat, come back. My mom's food is better than anybody's food. I showed up, I walk in the house. Boy, I know why you're here. It's okay. I got something for you. How did a woman know I was coming? She got it there. She fixed it. Eat me. He got me eat something. Bolt back to school. A person that would stand at the veranda, an uh, extension from our house, and watch you on playing with on my way home from school. She didn't like the person. She would come down on the street. You are not going to play with him anymore. That involved in my life. So when I'm around that person like that, I take on traits. So I have to learn that sometimes when things are going wrong, I have to stop it at the top. I have to learn to stop it at the top. Because if I don't stop it at the top, I'm going to blow up. So I recognize that. So I could see it. I could set the temperature for it. Because I know the end results are going to happen. So I have to stop it because I know what's going to happen. Because that's already built in, wired in a certain way. You see, when we come to this story today, they're acting like everything is good. Acting like everything is good. <laughs> Joseph has gone to, to Egypt. Joseph sees them. He says, you're forgiven. It's cool. God had a plan. Genesis 45. God had a plan. I just wanted to make sure y'all were honest men like you say you were honest men. God, I understand. You're sure to be honest men because you bring my brother Benjamin back. You brought him back. You didn't kill him. You didn't leave him on the side of the road. You didn't do nothing to him. And you brought him back. And the person who brought, I kept the most evil one of y'all, Simeon. I kept him because I ain't trusted. He's going to bring anybody back. So I locked him in jail. 
But I let Reuben and Judah, y'all went. And Reuben is the one who spoke up and talked and said, Dad, I will kill my kids if I don't bring back Benjamin. So that even the father knew, I can't trust y'all. But the father finally releases them to his son, with his son Benjamin. They come with Benjamin. He says, wow, my brother came here whole. And I put stuff in your bag and you brought it back. You are honest men. So since you're proven to be honest men, which trust is the only the fundamental thing that make a relationship work. I emphasized that last week. You cannot have a relationship without trust. It's impossible. Okay, the relationship will be damaged. You'll be fighting and people wouldn't got their money in this bank and another bank hiding money on the mattresses. Because there's no trust. Folk be lying to one another, trying to protect their little secrets. Because there's no trust. And so the relationship ends up damaged on that one thing, lack of trust. So he has to establish that, even coming to God, trust me. So he, he starts there. Believe in me, have faith in me. He starts right there. Trust is the fundamental thing. That's why if you can't trust somebody, don't marry them. You can't trust them. If, if you can't figure out where they're at in the middle of the night, don't marry them. Okay, I'll move on. <laughs> I got a whole lot of story behind that. Don't marry them when they do that kind of stuff. Because some people will go, well, I could change the person. No, marriage don't change a person for the good. Don't be lying to yourself. So this, 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 they, they, he's proven trust. So since he proved trust, guess what he did? He says, I will tell y'all who I am. I could tell you who I am because I can now trust you. So I could expose who I am because I could trust you. So for, chapter 45, Joseph says, we got this going. But do me a favor. Bring me my daddy. I haven't seen my daddy in 20 years. I love my daddy. Bring my daddy. He, they bring the daddy and Joseph hugs his dad. And the Hebrew emotion of the text in the Hebrew, Hebrew, he kept crying and crying and crying. He couldn't stop crying. All his pent-up emotions was ex, just totally exploded on his dad. That's what it shows in the Hebrew text. He sees his dad. It's exciting. He, Joseph went and got the richest part of Egypt for them. Land with grass and waters and, and all kinds of streams running through. So the time that they went for their father and the time that the father came back, Joseph had already gone out and picked the best of the best of the best of the best of the land in Egypt. He knew exactly what they needed for the sheep. He knew exactly what they needed for their families. He knew exactly how safe they could be right there in Gossin. And Joseph went and picked it. And when they came, Joseph knew exactly where to take them, exactly where for to be. And everybody's all happy. Seventy people showed up into Egypt. And everybody's excited. And they're acting like the past has left them. But the glue that held the past and the present together went up and died, their dad. He died a natural death at a hundred and some years old. I think 150, 160 years old, he died. Now, you would think that a good father would sit there and go, come on, guys, we got issues. Let's talk to the issues. The father doesn't do that. The father talks to issues to the ten brothers, but not the one brother who's been damaged. He didn't talk to the one brother. In his mind, the one brother got a nice chariot coming up in here. He got, he, he, he got some black going on. He got some wheels on them chariots. <laughs> you know, he, he, riding, he riding on some Michelin tires. He got this thing going on. 
When he shows up, he got bodyguards next to him. He, he's got these soldiers next to him. He could walk in the Pharaoh's presence. He's got money. He's got a family. He's got kids. He's doing good. The picture looks good, but they're broken. So let me talk to them, but I don't want to talk to Joseph. He's good. But no, the problem was never addressed. And as a result of that, the conscience is not at rest. Watch, me, watch this passage, folks. Let's go to Genesis if you ain't already there. The conscience was not at rest. Because the conscience knows what has happened. Like, like, like some people have done things that they ain't tell nobody about. <laughs> some people, all relationships that have done things in. They ain't going to tell anybody about. But the conscience is still there. Some women have been raped. So in marriage, if there's certain things that happen in marriage, in the privacy of their marriage, responds. Because that hasn't been dressed. See, some people have been abused by family members. So when certain things happen in relationships, they respond. But it's not with the person that is the problem. It's the past that they have yet to address. See, some people have come from broken marriages that mother and father. Some people have come from single homes. Mother, father's never there. Some people have come from situations where it's just an abusive thing. A mother that is abusive. It may be a single mom, but talk to them crazy. So guess what they do when they get mad? They talk crazy and cuss people. Because that's what they grew up around. Because it was never addressed. So the conscience is still there. If, if, understand, God made man with the ability to have a relationship with him. That's where faith, a spiritual being, God, connects with a human being's spirit, and that's what God uses to transform us. He's a spirit being. That's why it takes faith to trust in him, because you can't see him. So it requires faith to trust in him, because he's a spirit being and we're a physical being. So that's why he's saying, have faith. You can't see me. But you can believe me because you can see the past that I've constantly acted in the past. I've constantly do stuff in your face when the sun rises. I constantly do things in your past and your present when I heal you, when I strengthen you, when I touch you, when I make you whole again. I constantly do things physically, but you can't see me. So understand, there are things that we are in relationships now that people can't see. But we could see it and we feel it. When those things pop up, God also creates a conscience. If a person never accepts Christ, the thing that God uses to keep them from being an animal is a conscience. A, an animal don't have a conscience. But a human being is supposed to have a conscience. When a person, literally, if I was a judge and I see a person do certain things that are animalistic, I would lock them up. Why? If their conscience die, they're an animal. And they're a sophisticated animal. They're smarter than a lion or anything else. Because they're at the top of the food chain without a conscience. They're dangerous. Their conscience is alive. You never hear Joseph brothers going, we love God. You don't hear them going, hey, you know what? We love God. And Joseph, we are so hurt we will cry. When did they ever cry? Why do you ever see, because sometimes we do this in relationships. We sometimes believe 
that because God has brought us a certain way, that the other person is just going to respond and do exactly because we've we are so kind to them, we've forgiven them, we're doing all this stuff. The other person is going to go, oh, thank you, so wonderful. He's so wonderful. I'm going to go ahead and respond this way. No, the brothers have yet to walk up to Joseph and say, man, we did you wrong. They said it to each other in chapter 42, but they never said it to Joseph. Never. Their daddy brought it to them. They never brought it to their father. They just kept it in their heart as a painful thing that they actually did. And as honest men, what's the contrast? Honest men doing evil is a contrast, an oxymoron that makes them very, uncon- very conscious of their wickedness. And it just stays there. So when the father passes, father passes, look what happens. But if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full, whew, that's a dangerous thing. You're, you're a second to Pharaoh. You got power, lock folk up, kill people. It's like Joseph's Potiphar's house. He must have been a part of the kingdom of Egypt because he could lock Joseph in, in, the, in a jail and they don't have to even have a judge or a jury or nothing. That's what Joseph could have do, just lock him up. Political prisoners, lock them up. What are you going to do? You can't get out. You're down for the count. <laughs> he said, man, Joseph could pay us back in full. He got the power. Watch this carefully. Joseph can hold a grudge. Joseph can hold resentment. Joseph can hold resentment towards us. Joseph can really want to get us. And he could keep it in alive all this time because we know he loves his daddy. And he ain't going to do nothing to make his daddy mad. Because we know he loves his daddy. He's been crying over his daddy when he saw his daddy. So we know this. But his daddy ain't there no more. Oh, wow. I've learned something that God has taught me. That people tend to judge you on who they are, not who you are. See, once... They have their past that they have not addressed and dealt with. They have not come to the point where they're going, hey, I messed up. Hey, I need to go deal with this. I need to confront this issue and address this issue. Even if I go to a council, even if I sit down and pray and talk to the Lord about it, or sit back and talk to the person that I love very much and express my pain and my hurt and trust that maybe with a counselor we could work our way through it. Because you need an objective person sitting there. That's the problem. The objective person is the dad and he's no longer there. He's the person that's going to say, you all my sons. Let's talk to it. He's gone. There's no counselor there. That's why God is showing us a messenger got in the middle. Because there's times when emotions are this deep. Get a counselor. You need somebody in the middle that's objective. Not going to take this side, that side. Doesn't really matter. This person is just going to say this is the way it is. Everybody needs, the Bible says a wise man seeks advisors. A foolish man turns them away. That's what Proverbs and Ecclesiastes say. A foolish man don't want to hear from nobody. That's what I am. Bob said, that's an ignorant, foolish man. He just labeled himself. A wise person say, give me help because I messed up. They accept it. They humble themselves. They accept it. But they tend, if they don't have somebody to guide them, they tend to judge you by who they are. And you got to watch that because they're projecting on the Joseph. You may hold a grudge. You may want to pay us back. You got to watch what they're saying here. The word meant towards the bottom of the passage means 
you didn't just see me coming in a very colored coat and lock me in a, in a, and put me in a well. You were always planning to do it. What you meant, the word is attached to a military when a military puts together a strategy to come defeat the country. They strategically organize specifically how they're going to come against that country to win. So every time the brothers saw Joseph, they were strategic in how they're going to hurt Joseph. What you meant, what you meant, meaning what you set up in the past before you ever had a chance of a well to hurt me. You couldn't kill me. You couldn't stop me. But what you could do is leave me to die where you can't see me. Watch me die. So when the right occasion came and the right circumstances were there, you carried out what was also the intent in your heart. So I'm judging you by who I am, not who you are. See, folks, what I love about this is that Joseph don't take that to himself. We want to fight back. I'm not like that. I wasn't thinking like that. We want to defend ourselves. I wasn't thinking like that. What are you coming with that for? So the, the whole conversation ends up drifting into something that got nothing to do with the issue. Because we're busy fighting for our rights. And what we know we weren't thinking about doing. Rather than going, that's not the issue. Because I, I am not that person. God has taught me, you don't, de you don't defend yourself against what you're not. You're wasting time. Because a person has already made up their mind what they believe. And they believe it because they have done it. They have felt it. They're, it's all up inside of them that that's who they are. So since they're clearly convinced that that's who they are, you can't convince them that's not who you are. So the only thing to do is to let them go about their business. Because you can't defend yourself against a person who's already corrupted yourself. So let's take a look at this. Watch how Joseph responds. See, their conscience is beating them up. Many of us are like that today. Our conscience is just beating the stuffings of us up for things we've done in the past. And instead of just stopping and going, I got to deal with this. We just try to drink it away. Some folks in their closet smoke it away. But it's one thing about getting up from a high. You're going right back to what took you down low. It doesn't go away. I don't forget standing in a hotel lobby. Hey, man. You look like you had a hard day. Why don't you just, I'm going to get a drink. You want to go get a drink? I said, for what? They take my money and don't take my problems. <laughs> One of my, I mean, if I'm going to go pay for something, at least my problems ain't there no more. I'm going to get them all that money because them drinks ain't cheap. If I'm going to sit here and waste my life away getting drunk, because in his mind, he said, man, we get drunk, we just go upstairs and lay down. I don't even know the guy. <laughs> I'm just sitting there going, what about my countenance say, I'm going to go drink with you? I don't know why, so I'm busy thinking, what makes you ask me this question? I, I, I literally in the elevator going up going, okay, let me go look in the mirror. Maybe there's something about me that says I need a drink right now. <laughs> Maybe I need to blame this guy. Maybe there's something in my counter that say, you need a drink. <laughs> but the guy is telling me this and I'm going, I look at him, I said, when I finish drinking, they, I still got the problem. In other words, this drink don't pay and get my problems to be going away. If I'm going to pay somebody, I pay a counselor, but I'm not going to pay a drink. You see, they 
are living their lives struggling in a beautiful land, beautiful circumstances, don't have to be sand rats anymore, going from one place to the next, living in a tent, picking up a tent. They can now settle down and build houses, but they can't build their lives because this sits there. Some people can't grow past the pain. I'll never be able to do this. Why? You keep quoting the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So why? I'm more than a conqueror. Well, then take those verses out of your mind. Because you just sell to yourself, because of what I've done in the past, ain't nobody going to try to help me. If you only know what I did. So do you believe that your sins are as far as the east from the west? Yes, I believe that. So why are you holding on to something that is as far as the east from the west? Why are you bringing the... Why, I, I like to put it this way. Why are you taking baggage on a plane when baggage claim was at the curb? You, 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 could, you could have left that at the cross, the curb, and catch this plane. But you keep taking the baggage on the plane. Well, look at this, he says, in verse 16. So the messenger came. Watch, watch these words. You got to see these words. Come, it's a narrative. You got to see these words. Look at this, he says. Your father charged before he died, saying. Now, he's, he's a messenger, so he's saying it the way the people sending him is saying it. Your father. Not our father. Your father. In other words, we never felt love from your father. Because he's your father. He never loved us. That's why I know my sons are tired of me saying this, but that's why I fought, I fought in our home not having favoritism. They don't always believe it because there's certain things I've done because I know who needed what. And I always believe you don't have to be even in relationships. You don't have to give this one this much and give this person. I believe when you love from your heart and follow a biblical plan, God takes care of the rest. I honestly don't do it that way, even when my kids. So sometimes I could see them going, well, nah, dad, you did this. But in my heart, I would never do it because I studied these passages. People stay damaged. You never show favoritism to kids. Never. They never get it over. Don't ever do it. Never do it. Promise you, never do it. I, I literally believe that. I believe that when you love somebody from your heart, you don't have to say, well, I get this one $2. I got to get that one $2. No, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Because you, Jesus Christ don't do that for me. He doesn't say, well, Paul Kernings, since you have a doctorate degree, I'm going to make you have this and that and this and that. Because so lots of preachers don't have doctorate degrees. He don't do that. He just loves me. He don't give me the same he gave another preacher. He don't give me the same stuff he may give another person that is well-educated. He doesn't give me the same thing, but he loves me. So what am I sweating myself for? God don't do it. Look at what he says here. The father never was short favored. I'm begging you. Do not do it. I'm going to tell you all something. I'll tell you all something. I've learned this as a father. One kid will run to mama. 
One kid will run to dad. They're kids. They do what they do. That don't mean you chase them and let them. I remember reaching out to a kid going, I'm home now. My wife being a homemaker. Come here, son. When you see me coming through this door, I'm home. You don't have to go to your mama no more. She's home, so I understand you're home. You're home with her. I get it. I, I was home with her. My mama. But when I walk through these doors, ask me what you need. Don't go ask your mama. I wanted to build into them. There is no favoritism. Because I read this stuff. It damages lives. Don't ever do it. Kids will do what kids do. That don't mean adults got to go follow them. Now look at this. Matter of fact, I tease my, I call her my daughter, but it will get really messed up if I do that. Since she's married to my son, but I've known her so long, she's like a daughter to me. So I could call and fuss at her anytime I want. That's the negative about being my child. If whenever I want, whatever I want to tell you, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so she, she hug and kiss on Carter. And I said, girl, that boy going to grow up. And I know you love your Carter. <laughs> you love that Carter. And I say to her, I say to my, my son, grab that boy. Grab that boy. When you give him direction, mama, about 45. <laughs> 45. He's going to look at his mama like, mm, you ain't got nothing. My mama going to do it for me. So then they divide the marriage and they conquer. Because they got father and mother going, no, I don't agree with that. What's wrong with daddy, my baby? <laughs> so it could, either, it, it could either come from the parents or from the kid. Look at what he says here. Let's move on. I think I got y'all like, okay, pastor, it's time to, time to go now. Let's have closing prayer. <laughs> now we're going to move on. We got to grow. When I got y'all thinking, that's when I preach because it's time to grow. Okay? Now look at, look at, look at verse 16, he says. In verse, verse 17, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you. I beg you to ask this twice. The transgression. We did do what we say we, what you know we did. We admit that we know we did it. Now we got a relationship that's being worked on. They're doing it with a messenger. That's why sometimes I tell people, sit with a counselor when you're going to tell the person the whole truth. Sit with somebody. The messenger taking it back to the person helps Joseph time to sort out what he needs to do and the other people time to be able to express what they need to express so that together they can make it work. This passage fights for a counselor. Sometimes you need one. Stop being arrogant and not humbling yourselves. This took humility for them. It took humility for Joseph. It's pride and arrogance that refuses one and the Bible says it's ignorance. This is what the Bible says. I didn't say it. He says a fool rejects knowledge. A fool turns away a counselor. I didn't say that. He said that. 
He said right here. He says, verse 17, he says, Tush you shall say to Joseph, please forgive. I beg you the transgression of your brothers and their, and their sin. For they did you wrong. They did you evil. They planned it. They sorted it out. They came after you with a plan to hurt you. They knew what God says, what evil means. They knew what God was saying. They knew what, the, what God was telling them not to do. They understood what God told them not to do. Their conscience told them not to do, but they still did it. That's why you meant it for evil. This wasn't no, ooh, I see Joseph coming. Ooh, let's get him. No, it was, hey, we finally got a chance. And we did it. Look at what Joseph did. He wept. Hmm. And here's the bad thing about these kind of relationships. The problem always gets dumped in the lap of the person that God calls to lead. It always gets dumped there. The person that God has healed, the person that God has developed a relationship with, the person that God is maturing and developing, that God takes that and dumps that baggage on the plane. Because the plane is flying off. I understand. Joseph gets dumped this bag. And he gets dumped this bag with all the baggage in it. With all the clothes in it, rather. All the clothes in it. We didn't mean it. We understood what God was saying. We understand everything our daddy taught teaching us about this nation that would go to Egypt. Joseph thought the whole thing. What does Joseph say? Don't leave my bones here. Who taught him about going to the promised land? His daddy. Joseph, don't leave my bones here. When we go to the promised land, bury my bones there. So their daddy taught them all of this. So we knew. We knew. We knew everything. But Joseph, we did it. We purposely hurt you. Now we know what we were doing. Now we meant it. It's not a mad moment. We strategically sought to hurt you. And it was a transgression. Because it was against God. And we knew it was. But we did it anyway. You see, understand. In life, God tends to bring the problem to people who can fix it. He's not going to bring it to the people who are evil. That's why you and I end up with it. Because God is trying to fix it. Don't get mad. Oh, well, <laughs> this is what I know you did. See, we stuck. I know you were trying to do this. We stuck. God is saying, no, I dumped it on you. I allowed this to happen to you because I know that I, can, I will never give you more than you can bear. And I can dare, and I've given you the wisdom you need. Your strength comes from the inside. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Meaning, the joy that comes from God, that joy, that joy gives me strength. Who gives me joy? The Holy Spirit. He who is in me is greater. Who, the Holy Spirit is my strength. Ephesians chapter 3. The Holy Spirit is, is, is the Bible says, is my power, my ability to act. So since I'm dealing with something spiritual and the person who is committed to Christ is growing spiritually, he dumps it on the person who is not going to respond to it from the outside. They're going to respond to it from the inside. Because the outside is what? Flesh. The flesh, Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says, it goes to arguments. It goes to division. It goes to fighting. It goes to abusive language. That's what the flesh does. But if I dump it on a person who's connected to the spirit, I could come to a resolution. 
And that resolution heals a family. That resolution creates a legacy. That resolution builds a nation. I'm after my agenda. It's just that Satan is also after damaging everybody. Satan wants to destroy us. Folks, you have to understand, he came to kill and steal and destroy. First Peter chapter 5 says, he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 says, he is going to heaven day and night seeking how he can destroy us. So you could be living righteous, the Bible says, and you could, Revelation he, Psalm chapter 34 verse 20, 16 on says, the righteous person will experience much tribulation. He doesn't hide it. He told Timothy as a pastor, if you choose to live right, you will be persecuted for it. So the more right I seek to be is the more Satan says, like Job, I'm going to tear them down. I'm going to send everything at them to tear them down, steal their joy, their peace, their commitment to Christ. I'm going to tear it down. So I'm going to keep coming at them, keep coming at them. You go to work, bam, there it is. Come home, bam, there it is. Go to family members, bam. I'm going to keep using people to tear them up. And that's why the Bible keeps saying, no, 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 no. When you're weak, when you're spiritual and you see your weakness, guess what you do? You pray more. You read the Bible more. You seek godly advice more. You come to church looking for the word more. You, because your Bible says your spirit goes to thirsting and wanting God more. And as a result of that, the trials make you better, perfect you, like muscles in the gym when you lift the weights. So I dump it on you. Because I make you more like me. And I take care of the problem. Joseph wept. How many times Joseph wept? Six times. Did he say he cried? Uh-uh. He wept. You should see weeping in their day. <laughs> Joseph, weeping is, weeping is from the emotions. It's from the gut. It's from the pain. Joseph just stood there and wept as the, as, the, as, the, as the witness, as the person who brings the message leaves. He's just weeping. You know how humiliating that is? Soldiers all around you, you're second in command, and you're sitting up here tripping. But what? Joseph loved his brothers, even if they didn't love him. It's the thing about God. When you're close to God, you will love people you ought to hate. That's the problem with God. Because God is love. So the more of God you get, is the more you do what? Love. So you end up loving people you ought to hate. That's what the Bible says. A person who walks with God can love their enemy. What did Jesus Christ model for us? Loving his enemy. The man on the cross laughing, mocking at Jesus. When he changes mind, what does Jesus Christ say? I'll see you in paradise. Let's forget your past. Today, you've repented. And my job is to save you. So let's do this. Now look at this. When grace came on the fire, this is where we are. When grace came on the fire, Joseph showed up, God. I love this thing in this passage of Scripture. Look down to verse 18. <laughs> the brothers came. They fell on their face. That literally means they threw themselves at Joseph. Because now the whole truth is there. They never asked for forgiveness. 
And I said, forgive us. They just, okay, the messenger did that, but we, no, we messed up. They just threw themselves at him. Don't ever abuse people when they throw themselves at you. I messed up, I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. I know you are. You ought to be. You know you were wrong the whole time. But you did it anyway. Now you're coming up in here wanting what? Don't be trying to tell me you need more money. I tell mama the whole story, by the way. No, he's saying no. Joseph, brothers, fell. Joseph says, am I in the place of God? <laughs> that fired me up when I read that. Am I in the place of God? Who gave me the right to judge you? Okay, you were wrong, but that's God's judgment. You got to hear this point. You're wrong. You're wrong, man. That's done. We all know it. transgression violates God's word. You did evil. You meant it. I'm telling you in the next verse, you meant it. We're good. We got it. Done. You're wrong. But at the end of the day, I can't judge you. It's all I could do is love you the way God tells me. Because I'm not God. <laughs> You're not hearing me. When people do us wrong, what do we want to do? Become the executioner. <laughs> Let me see. Well, oh, now you sorry. Let me see <laughs> what we're going to do up in here. <laughs> That's what we want to do. And the Bible is going, no. You are not the judge. You are not the executioner. Your job is to forgive as I have forgiven you. Because if you don't, I will not forgive you of your sins. Matthew chapter 6 verse 15 says. So you better just stay in your lane. Stop trying to come up in mine. I love what Joseph says. If Joseph says, man, listen. I am not in the place of God. Get up. You can't bow to me. I'm not God. Okay, this is a dream being fulfilled. Because of God saw your heart. Even though you're being nice around my dad before you got a chance to tell my dad I'm dead. God knew what was in your heart. So it's not a problem. He knew that because of your attitude and your mindset and how evil you are, you're going to fall to me. But it still rests on me to do what he says. That's all you. That ain't me. That's what I love about it. People will try to make you who they are. But you must stay in the zone of who you are. Don't let them bring you down. Michelle Obama said it this way. When they go low, we stay high. She didn't know she was quoting a verse, telling a story. They gone low. I don't mean we got to get in the gutter with them. We stay high. We decide what is God. I'm now going to preach more than what she said. What does God want me to do? We don't have time. Run out of time. So I wanted to take you to Romans chapter 12, verse 7 on. The Bible says, uh, verse 12 on. The Bible says, love. So matter of fact, verse 7, all the way to the end of that chapter. He says, love without hypocrisy. Seek good. You cannot repay evil for evil. Insult for insult. So since the Bible is telling me high is here, 
I have to stay here. It doesn't matter what the person is doing. What is he saying here? I can't return insult for insult. I can't return evil for evil. I must love without hypocrisy. I must wait for him to pile coals on their head. That's exactly what happened to the brother. The coals are burning their head all the way to their brain. They can't live anymore without dealing with this. Because Joseph keeps doing kindness, kindness, kindness. He fed their families, take care of their families, build their homes, set them up in the best piece of land. They boom, 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 boom. It's burning their heads silly. Oh man, we got to deal with this. But vengeance belongs. I got to stay in my lane. I cannot take the place of God. Oh, folks, you got to hear that because we tend to do it. I don't know about y'all, but I have a little bit of hood left in me. You know when I figured that out? When my sons, you know, you, you, know, you beat up your kids, uh, wrestling with them while you're growing up. You're just always throwing them around, beating them up. Like doing my grandkids like that right now. We chase all e- each other, and then I find them, and I throw them on the island. Okay, you're now on the island. <laughs> But the kids grow up. That's the problem. That's the problem. And my sons got bigger. And they were playing football in college. And we were wrestling. Come on, Pierre, you got to help me. Paul threw me on the bed like I was a dish rag. Wow. And I felt it all the way. Wow. And then sat on me. Told Pierre to hold my legs. What you going to do now, old man? And the first thought that came to my head is, where's the stick? I knew right then and there, you still got some hood left in you, boy. You even thinking like that with your sons. We didn't wrestle after that, by the way, so if you want to know. The wrestling situation was a wrap. I went to the gym trying to work out. No, there was one out because I went to the gym. I'm work out. I'm going to get stronger. And we're going to do this when they come back. I still got beat. That was it. I realize no matter how much you work out, you still don't arrive at the strength you once had when you were younger. <laughs> and it hurts really bad. <laughs> you see, folks, the hood that is in us has to be repaired. So God sometimes let it come up to say, you still have a speck in your eye that we need to work on. You still have a log in your eye that we need to take out. So while you may be getting all Christian and spiritual and know the Bible and know the verses and you're walking around trusting the Lord, remember, I'm still working on you. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Here's the last point. We're out of time. I I really wanted to drill this thing down today, but we're out of time. Sometimes as a pastor, I struggle with that. Because I want to, there's so much I skip. But that's what helps me to come back and preach the same passage. So we are right. Remember God is the last thing. Am I going to be in the place of God? As for you, you meant it for evil against me. But God, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about what is, what is about this present result. Here it is. God meant it for what? Good. Who's good? Exactly. 
everybody's good. You see, God is never trying to work out for our good. Because when everybody is good, guess what we are? We better. Or we gooder. Understand, folks. Because he says, watch this carefully, it's for this present result. Watch the words. It's for this present result. You have to hear me, living word. You got to hear me. Nobody, including me, can create results. You can't create results. You could decide to do whatever you want to do. You got a free will. But you have to remember that God factors in all of our free will decisions to come to his result. Judas could be a part of Christ. But God will factor that in to come to his result. So whatever we're deciding, God is so far ahead that he can look at all the decisions everybody could make, factoring all the decisions everybody can make, because his results are going to be his results. If his results are not his results, his word return void. God then is a liar. So God lets us do, we can decide to go where we want to go, marry who we want to marry, act the way we want to act, but God has already seen way ahead how we're going to act, how we're going to decide, what we're going to do. He gave us a free will. He's not taking it back. He's going to let us do whatever we want. But no matter what we decide to do, God is going to get up from the cross. Man can decide to say, nail him, crucify him, let him die. But on the third day, they can't control the result. People can decide, we stand, stand you, we don't believe in you. Peter could say, I'm going to walk with you. Peter going to say all these different things. But he says, Peter, I'm controlling the result. Do you love me? Because I'm looking after what is good for everybody, Peter. I don't have a right to look out for myself. Please hear this point. No matter what I'm dealing with, how much the pain that's involved in it, I must look out for what is good for God, not myself. Because if I fight for myself, guess what happens? I lose myself. But if I give up myself for the gains of God, I actually start to learn who I am in Christ. I start to learn that Paul would say, I no longer live. It is Christ that lives in me. In spite of all my trials, my troubles, people turning on my back on me, saying all kind of evil against against me. Paul got tons of enemies. In spite of all of that, God turned it all around for the good of those who love him. And guess what happens? I get to learn who I really am in Christ. But if I had fought everybody off, I learned who they are because they came with that heart. But if I let them be who they are, I keep doing what Christ says, I learn who I am in Christ. So I can't let people make me who they are. I must let Christ make me who he is. God, I actually started learning this on a soccer field. Coach told me, Cannons, you don't have a position today. What? I always play left fullback. Or left, I mean right fullback. Or right wing or right halfback. What are you talking about? Cannings today. You're chasing that guy. Remember in them days we didn't have no film. I want you to stop that guy from scoring. That's all you're doing all day. Just chase him. So I decided not to warm up. I'm going to sit here and study that guy. Does he, have, does he use both left and right legs? When I see him run the ball, is it right? Or is he just using one leg? What's his stronger leg? Study that guy. In the first half, I'm going to learn you. Second half, you're going to learn me. 
So the first half, I'm, I'm out there, man. I'm just chasing him. Oh, he, okay, he tends to use his shoulder. Okay, I'm going to put my shoulder down. Second half, I know all his moves. Learn me. I'm chasing you to run into me. I'm not chasing you to run into you. I learned then that God, you can't let people make you who they are. You have to stay focused on what God is calling you to do, what God is calling you to be, what God wants out of your life, what God is trying to achieve in your life, what God has a blessing for you. He has a blessing for you. In spite of all this, Joseph is blessed. His blessings led to him blessing his family. He's blessed. So God is using you. He blessed Joseph. He blessed him with kids. He blessed him with a good wife. He's done all these things. So Joseph didn't lose nothing. So God is saying, listen, I'm going to care for you, watch over you, but you must be committed to my agenda. You must be about my father's business. You must keep doing what I say because when you do it, you don't become them, you become me. So folks, today, when you test it, who are you? When goal is tested, comes out goal. You get diamond, you test it, comes out diamond. When you are tested, when I'm tested, how do we come out? Because we will be tested and tried. Because God, that's God's way of shaping us to be who he wants us to be. Let us stand. I know relationships can leave you broken. I get it. I get it more than you know. Sometimes you just cry. Sometimes you want to shut down and do nothing. See the person come and go the other way. That doesn't work. God just brings another person just like that person on your job because he's the one working on it. So you could avoid the person, you could avoid this, you could go in different directions. It's not going to work. You're just wasting time. So I want you to commit today that when you are tested and tried, you will decide to do things God's way. I want you to come forward here today. Let's spread out. We got a lot of steps. Let's spread out. Don't come right in front of me. That direct stuff. So go to the sides. And let's say, God, I'm going to work on you as you work on me. I'm not going to let the situation shape me, but to be you, not to be anything else. Come today. As we sing this song, only gonna do it twice, we're over time. We're gonna do it twice.